Yeah. Oh, the tradition started, baby. There ain't no doubt about that. Woo, they are, uh, there's some good analytics out there. There's some bad analytics out there. Let's talk about some of the bad analytics out there. ESPN preseason FPI top 10 is out. I can't even believe we're, you know, saying Texas and top 10 in the same sentence. Oh, oh come on, Tyler. I can absolutely I it, believe it. Yeah, it's okay, the same dance fair. we do every year. But it's not even the fact that they're in a preseason top 10, Parker. It's that they're so well inside the top 10 at number 6. Oh, my God. Every year we do this. Where's the analytics to where it says, no, Texas sucks. They routinely disappoint. Let's put in that number to, you know, not make it so flawed every single year where we think they're going to be a top 10 team. One time in the past 10 years has Texas ended the season with a higher ranking than what they started. One time in the past 10 years. Okay, here's what I'm wondering. Like, legitimately wondering, how? Uh, That's not rhetorical. How? What metrics are going into the system and spitting out the result that, yeah, Texas is the number six team in the country? We are talking about a team that went five and seven last year and lost to Kansas. Yeah, and this is why, you know, stats like this are just so completely flawed. I'm guessing. That when we're talking about Bijan Robinson and he's still you know relatively uh, relatively a young player Xavier Worthy sure I guess they're looking at returning starts Parker I I don't know man because there's no way you can justify not even Texas not even Texas just being a top ten team the number six team in the country preseason. God, they are, it's bad, they are man. drinking all the Quinn Ewers Kool Aid, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Honestly, instead of being mad about it. I actually kind of love it because it's so funny, and I routinely say all the time that out of all the rivals out there, OU could be rivals with any other college football program in the country. OU got the best end of the deal. OU got the best rival that's out there because there's not a more disappointing program on a year-in, year-out basis than Texas. They are the easiest college football program to make fun of. Like They, they do it to themselves every year. They're overhyped every single year. I, this is great. Oh, you got the best end of the deal when it comes to picking out a rival. It's so great. I love it. And you know, we're going to be having a blast for the next eight months as we watch Texas fall flat on its collective face. Whenever the season on. Because they, they have Alabama week two, Tyler. Well, and that's one thing. You know, another metric on this that I just rolled my eyes at and laughed. There was a um, percentage chance to win out. Basically go undefeated. Um, OU's was right at 1%. Okay. Okay. Fair. I, you know, I, I'd say it's a little bit higher than 1% when you're going to be a favorite in every game, but it being low, that's fine. It hasn't happened in a long time. Texas though, their odds to win out 1.2%. And I know it's not very much higher, but are we really with the straight face going to say that Texas who was 5-7 and seven last year, lost to Kansas, has to play Alabama in the non-conference. Like, I, I don't even know if I would say their odds to beat Alabama are 1.2%. Yeah, right, exactly. Let alone win out. But they have a higher odds to go undefeated. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to pick OU to go undefeated. Most likely, I will pick them as a one- or a two-loss team this year. But there's, I don't know if I'm going to pick Texas as a four-loss team. It might be more than that. They have higher odds to go undefeated this year? Give me a break, dude. 
this is crap. The ESPN FPI is 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 total crap. I I don't know what they use for their metrics, but their metrics suck. It's it's really embarrassing. They also had Pittsburgh at number nine. Yeah, Auburn at number ten, which is a giant dumpster fire. It's again, again, how. How are they arriving at these conclusions? I don't know, but if what? I if I was ESPN and I did their crap formula to come up with this top ten, I would have said, okay, this is a giant embarrassment. Everyone is going to make fun of us. Let's just not publish it. I'm either going to not publish it or I'm going to revise my top ten to make it look a little bit more respect- Let's respectable. Let's r- run this one past the editorial board before we make the graphic. But no, it's just like, yeah, okay, push it on out there. If it's empirical data that they're looking at, like, I legitimately want to know, what is the data? <sighs> Here's the deal, Parker. There's not going to be a right answer or a good answer. Every answer that we look at or whatever data that they use is like, okay, well, how did you use that data and come up with Texas at number six? Text line says you can randomly pick a preseason top ten over the past 40 years to get basically the same list. Yeah, for the most part. And guess what? The past 40 years, Texas has not lived up to expectations the majority of those years. So I tell you what, like the, the dumbest thing the national media does every single year is rank Texas in the preseason top 10. Because it happens pretty much every single year. The dumbest thing I do every single year is convince myself that this is the year that the national media is going to hop off Texas. Yeah, hey, same. And I was right there with you in January. I, I really thought, okay, uh, the jig's up a little bit here. There's no way, man. They, five and seven, the six straight losses last year. They lost to Kansas at home. They lost to KU two out of the past five years. This is where it ends. Not even Texas can get preseason hype with the year that they just had. Nip, just a few months later. They're number six in a preseason FBI poll. ESPN's poll clearly thinks that Texas is a legitimate contender for the college football playoff. And in fact, they give Texas a 21% chance to make the college football playoff. OU just 12.6. A 21%? 21% chance to make the college football playoff. 41% chance for the University of Texas to win the Big 12. Now, again, I'm looking at this and laughing today, saying, all right, this is a joke. I see it every year. It is one of my favorite traditions of college football. If I'm a Texas fan, I'm a, I'm a little bit PO'd and annoyed by now. I, at this point, all I can say is this. Keep the receipts, people, please. Keep the receipts, because this is going to be a hell of a lot of fun to revisit come December. Uh, text line, Texas won't even win six games this year. That's not – I mean – it can't shock you at this point if Texas goes five and seven. Yeah, right? I, 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 if I had to take the over under on six wins, I would take the over. It wouldn't be very far over. Right, that's, and that's fine, and I probably agree with you. But at the same time, if another five and seven season happens, you wouldn't be shocked, would you? No, <laughs> right? No, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. They have a forty-one percent chance to win the Big Twelve. Um, does anyone class know the last time that Texas won the Big Twelve in football? How about 2009 when Colt McCoy was the quarterback? Ah, That's the, right, over the a infamous one-second game. Yeah, and and may I mean, really, the reason they won it that year, they were a good football team. Don't get me wrong, but OU was incredibly beat up that season across the offensive line. Jermaine Gresham never played it down. Sam Bradford barely played it all. 
Like if OU stays healthy that year, it may be since God what what oh oh five since Texas won the Big Twelve championship. I don't know. It it's a it's a joke, man, but I think by now as OU fans we can all sit around and roll our eyes and laugh and say, All right. Which you know what too? I do wonder, Parker, if things like this maybe kind of stunt the growth of their program. Because it, it's really hard to you know, have that sense of, oh, God, mm-hmm. we've got to get better. Oh, God, mm-hmm. we are a disappointment when everyone mm-hmm. keeps hyping you up every single offseason. Exactly. And when the expectations are so high and you never live up to those expectations, eventually your reputation is going to catch up to you. And the narrative is going to become Texas disappoints every single year. I would think it would have become that already, but apparently we're not there yet. At some point down the line, it's going to happen. I don't know if it'll be a year from now. I don't know if it'll be 10 years from now. I don't know if it'll be a quarter century from now. But at some point, if we continue along this current trajectory, it's all going to catch up to Texas. And here's what I think it's overlooked. Again, I don't know what kind of empirical data is going into the metrics that ESPN is using to project and suggest that Texas is going to be the number six team in America next year. I am inclined to believe that all they are looking at is talent. I don't think I like I I I don't think it goes any deeper beyond the surface than that. Yeah. I think it's entirely based on talent. And sure, talent is a piece of the puzzle, but it's not talent that has helped Alabama build a dynasty. It's culture. It's not talent that has held Texas A&M back from being a double-digit win program despite how well they've recruited over the last few years. It's culture. The culture at Texas is so bad and so broken, and I have this on very good authority, Tyler. That culture is so bad and so broken that Texas is going to have to essentially tear everything down and rebuild it from the ground up before they're going to be able to put together a winning football program because what you can't do at that point within that program is expect that things are just going to change if you maintain the status quo. You're not all of a sudden going to get dramatically better just because you have more talent. You need need to dramatically alter the culture in that building and in that program if you're going to succeed. And that's why the ESPN FPI is so crap. You can't measure culture and you can't put it – in some analytical-driven data, I it, it's just it's it's flawed. Like now, now, Bama number one, cool, got the same thing. Ohio State at two, cool, fine, same thing with Georgia at three, Clemson at four, and even Notre Dame at five. But Texas at six, Pitt at nine, Auburn at ten. Come on, come on, guys, we can we can do a little bit better than that. Let me ask you this: You think Kansas State is in ESPN's FPI top twenty-five? Uh, no. Exactly. I, they're around 38, 39. Exactly. exactly. I, I looked at it I today. promise you. I promise you. I guarantee you Kansas will be a top 25 team by the Kansas end of 2022. State? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kansas State. No, I think Kansas so too. State. Sorry. Uh, and it, it's because of culture. Culturally, Kansas State is one of the most rock-solid football programs in America, and it's why they consistently outperform their expectations every single year, despite the fact that they have decidedly middle-of-the-road talent. Kansas State has been a better football program than Texas over the past decade. It hasn't been. I mean, it hasn't been close, man. I mean, not not only have they – it feels like K-State has owned Texas over the past decade. Maybe it's more even than I think it is. But that game's in Manhattan this year. Dude, I yeah, Texas is absolutely going to lose that game. 
But it, whatever, man. It mean they continue to be overhyped every single year, um, and it's hilarious just to watch it come crashing down. Because guess what, guys? It is definitely going to come crashing down this year. Um, Oklahoma State was at thirteen. Baylor was at nineteen. Nebraska was at thirty-five. USC was all the way back at uh, thirty-seven. See why is ne- why is Texas not in the same territory as Nebraska? Because I don't agree with Nebraska being as high as thirty-five, but I understand it. Well, and- again, if you put Texas at thirty-five, I don't know that I would agree with putting them that high, but I would understand it. Putting them at six is egregiously awful. That's that leads to a bigger question to me. Because we see it with Texas every single offseason, right? It's almost as if the national media, man, they are rooting for Texas to be back. Oh, the sport needs Texas to be back. There's a few programs like that, Parker. Texas being one, USC being the other, and Miami being the third. I don't know why yep, I don't know yep, why that that's is. That's a really good point, Tyler. It's a really why, good point. But why why is that? Why does the national media pull so hard and over exaggerate to overhype USC Texas Miami? Because nostalgia sells. I guess. I don't I don't get it. Miami doesn't have some huge fan base. If Miami comes back, I mean, USC doesn't have so a, a huge fan base. Texas has a hundred thousand seat, seat stadium. When's the last time they sold it? You know what I mean? I I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, I, it's, I just never understood this massive push for those particular three. Schools. Well, and it's encouraging to see that they're finally cooling on Nebraska. All it took was five straight years without a bull berth for them to do. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it'll take for Texas. Uh, text line, Parker is right about his two points regarding hype. Also, Maryland beat Texas twice in the recent years, only to be replaced by Kansas. Texas fans are too dumb to be upset with ESPN. They believe the hype themselves every year. Have you ever met a Texas fan? LOL. <laughs> well, William says, hey guys, the answer is that they have to rank the horns as high as possible to protect Bama in case Texas wins or even plays them close. So Bama won't drop far. Yeah, there was actually like a, a description on, you know, Bama being number one. It's, you know, what the committee might like. Well, the committee might like that uh, top 10 Texas win early in the season. If Alabama doesn't win the SEC or, dare I say, loses the SEC West, then Bama could still be a playoff team if that Texas win looks really good. Exactly. Uh, Kansas State, this comes from the text line as well. Kansas State beating us two years in a row. All came down to the difference in culture at both schools. Bingo. Yeah, totally. Bingo. Yep. Because if it if it just boiled down to talent, Tyler, if games were played on paper according to the FPI, FPI or whatever it is, Oklahoma would have blown Kansas State out of the water in 2019 and 2020. I made a uh, – it sounds a little hot take-ish comment yesterday on the rush. But okay. the more that I've thought about it, the more I, I just – I really feel that it's accurate with the impending move to the SEC – you talked about culture and how there's just a real issue there. Well, to my knowledge, they're not doing anything to address the real issues they have in Austin. I said yesterday that I don't think that in 30 years Texas is going to win another conference championship, especially now with the move to the SEC. And at first I was like, ooh, that's pretty aggressive. Do I agree with that? But as I sit here now, I yeah. And it's not like they've been tearing up the Big 12 here recently. 
This is going to be their best chance in the next 30 years to win a conference title. What I'm basically saying is I don't think that they ever get back. Yeah, I I don't know that I would necessarily go that expansive with my window of time just because a lot can change for a program in 30 years. I mean, 30 years ago, Kansas State was the worst program in the entire FBS. And look at where they are now. Look at where they were seven, eight years later when they were the number one team in the country for quite some time. So a lot can change for an athletic But can Texas change in the next 30 years? The <laughs> arrogance again, level that's there. Yeah, again, uh, going to have to see it to believe it at a certain point. But I, I don't know if I would go as, so far as to say 30 years. Ten years, certainly. Certainly. For, I would say yeah, they're not going to win a conference title in the next ten years. And if they are going to win a conference title within the next 30 years – there's going to have to, at some point, be some drastic change. All right, hit us up on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We were dropped a little bit of a hint today on our Twitter page about something that's happening during the spring game. We'll tell you about that coming up next, right here on Locked In, where the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune on the ref. We're inside the Brown O'Haver studios today. I, I want to hit a couple quick uh, texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line before we move on. 405-651-3439. Um, look, what, look at what OU went through in the last 30 years. One hire can change a program. That's in reference to my comment that I don't think that Texas is going to win a conference championship in the next 30 years with the mood of the SEC coming up. It's absolutely true. One hire can turn things around. But at this point, do we trust Texas to make that hire that is going to turn things around? I will present you with this, Parker. Okay. How many successful head coaches has Texas had in its program history? Because I count two. I count. Mac Brown and Darrell Royal. That's it. Am I missing anyone else? Yeah, no, not really. And sure, DKR was the, the greatest head coach they've ever had. Great hire. Won multiple national championships. Mac Brown won the 2005 national championship. But he really spent most of his career getting his ass kicked by Bob Stoops. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, he did win the 05 title, and he did make the 2009 national championship game, but that's it when we're talking about Texas. One hire can change things, sure, but in their entire existence, there's only been two high-level head coaches that have been in Austin. So just factor that in when, when we say that. Texas has the money to, to make a great hire, sure, but with as many times as they struck out recently, I don't know if I trust them to make that hire and give well, that head coach the resources to win at that level. And recently, they don't want the great hire. They want the sexy hire. Yeah, I, I Charlie say, Strong was the sexy hire. Yeah. Tom Herman was the sexiest of hires. They, they had the resources. I misspoke yeah. on that. Just to get out of the coach's way and, and let him do things the way it needs to be done. There wasn't much of a coaching search at all after Tom Herman was relieved of his duties. They announced Steve Sarkeesian like 20 minutes later. I remember I was sitting there. I was covering, I think it was a Ryan, a Denton Ryan football game that Billy Bowman was playing Was in. it New Year's Eve and or was, New Year's Day when it happened? It, was, I, it might have been January 2nd. It was right after New Year's. But I remember, like, the first quarter of that game, we found out Tom Herman wasn't coming back to Texas, and by the second quarter, they had a new head coach. Yep. And, again, like, Steve Sarkeesian, that that was a whiff. That was not a good hire for Texas. And I feel like my feelings on Steve Sarkeesian at Texas are similar to my feelings on Scott Frost at Nebraska. The hire was not bad because Steve Sarkeesian is a bad football coach, because he's not. 
The hire was bad because the fit doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Okay, let me let me ask you this, Tyler. Think about all the current coaches and coordinators at the college level right now. Who's one guy that you think makes a lot of sense for Texas? If you had to pick a guy that you think can reverse the fortunes at that university, who's that coach? Well, here's the thing is the administration or the the boosters and everything is such an issue. There's only one guy and it's unrealistic. Well, there's I think that there's a few guys that have you know, the stones to actually stand up and say, get get out of my way. Yep. Nick Saban being one of those, Kirby Smart being I just I don't know if there is a fit there though with that situation. Do you do you see one that's an ideal fit for that spot? I, I think a really good fit for Texas and my goodness, you'd have to fork over a ridiculous amount of money to bring him in at this point. But Billy Napier would be a really good option yeah, for the Longhorns, maybe. I think. The funny thing is they've tried everything up to this point. They tried the defensive-minded head coach who was going to put the T back in Texas, Charlie Strong. They tried the, the sexy hire from Houston, Tom Herman. And now they've tried the Wonder Boy offensive hire out of Alabama, bringing the West Coast, all that, to Austin. And that's failed miserably as well. So I wonder, if, after this failed experiment, if they just throw their hands up and say, uh, God, what do we do now? Now who do we hire? Like, Texas doesn't even know who they want to be or what they want to be as a program. I, th- I think what they're going to have to do, and it's a bad comparison, but they're going to have to kind of do what USC did and promise a ridiculous amount of money to an established head coach at another school and try to lure him away. Billy Napier isn't the only guy that I think could stand a chance of turning things around at Texas. Mel Tucker? I think could be another really good option. I, I, I'm sitting here and we've already fired Steve Sarkeesian. But no, like I, I think it's going to come to that point where if Texas is serious about changing the direction of their football program, they're going to have to pay up for their coach in a big way. And they're going to have to invest heavily in a guy that, like you said, Tyler – is going to have the stones to stand up to the administration and say, this is the way we're going to do things, and you're going to give me space to operate, and you're not going to interfere. Side note, I do think uh, Billy Napier is going to do a really nice job at Florida. Yes, he so, is. Uh, I don't think yes, Texas is, is uh, poaching him away from Gainesville. Okay, uh, here's what I teased before the break. Okay, There's a post out on our Twitter page. The ref, go follow us there if you haven't already. Which mid, which midfield logo do you want to see for the OU spring game? And there's a ton of choices out there. The Crimson State of Oklahoma with the OU logo in the middle. That's been pretty classic for the spring game. That's on there. Uh, OU football helmet back in 2013 is on there. The State of Oklahoma in white with the red OU logo is on there. Then the traditional um, regular season game logo was there. White Turbo OU. OU logo in whites, no logo at all, or a custom logo, okay? Those options are out there if you want to interact with that. However, uh, Jason, I believe he is a loyal listener. He is the director of athletic fields at the University of Oklahoma. Yes, he is. He commented. He said, zero chance for seven out of nine of those choices. Okay. It's already been decided, though, plus one more logo on the 25s, that no one has ever seen. Ooh. So Jason put it out there today Ooh. that there's going to be a logo at the 25s for the spring game that no one's ever seen before. Now, after thinking about it for a couple of hours, 
What could it be? What's this new logo that no one's ever seen that they're going to throw out? It has to be Baker Mayfield related, right? That's the only thing I could come up with. Maybe. No, I actually don't think so. Something tells me it's not that. And if it were that, that'd be awesome. But what it, hmm. What what if it's less complex than we think? What if it's just the Jordan logo? Um, if they didn't do that, maybe it is. Maybe it well a logo that no one's ever seen. Okay. Does he mean that a, lo- a, a logo that has just been created? Because everyone's clearly seen the Jordan brand logo. What is OU celebrating slash commemorating beyond Baker Mayfield? Because what what kind of logo are you going to make for Baker Mayfield? Well, That's the thing. We also like, have to think. Because everything's detailed right now over there. Like, wh- whatever design this is, yeah. Brent Venables had a say in it. I- I'm-, I'm convinced of it. So when you say the Jordan brand logo, I guess I have a hard time thinking that, for whatever reason, he was going to put he put the Jordan brand logo on the 25 when the previous head coach didn't do it. I mean, maybe you're on the right track. I just I feel like this is Baker-related. Yeah, I mean. But, hey, I'm open to guesses. Right and by the way, as far as the midfield logo is concerned, I think the OU logo with the white state outline behind it is fantastic. You like that one? Love that look. I hope they do it again. This so year. the you like the the, the white uh, the white state of Oklahoma? Wh- why do you like OU the white book? one instead of the crimson one? Eh, just because I I I don't know. It's just I feel like it contrasts better with the OU logo, and I also just, I'm more partial to white as a color. Like my favorite OU jersey set is just the straight road whites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's everyone's favorite. Jersey okay, set just making sure. Just making. Yeah, sure. that's everyone's favorite jersey set is the uh, is the road whites. This is gonna bug me though. Now, what yeah. is that? What is that twenty five yard logo gonna be? Um, let's see. Text line says Soul Mission logo. Yeah, I thought about that, but I, I don't know. That, that, that's one of those things where. Yeah, it's become a staple for this program, but does it make sense to advertise it on the field? I don't know. I feel like it's almost something that they're trying to push or raise awareness for. It better be the Jordan Jumpman. That's what recruits want to see. Um, it's a Jumpman logo. The logos at the 25s might have something to do with recruiting attendees. Chase in Orange County, 47 straight is a guest. Logo will be Baker planting a flag. Uh, a number six. So, hmm. Do you remember what BV said? None of that matters. Who cares what the logo on the field is? The logo isn't going to win us any games. <laughs> a, so maybe they're just doing no logo at midfield. No logo. <laughs> I've never seen it before. <sighs> the logo is Mayfield planting the flag. I, I don't know. It would be pretty sweet. Uh, Palace from Pack the Palace will be okay. All right. Well, everyone's got a different guess. My guess is something Baker Mayfield related. We'll see, man. I this is I gosh. Now I'm going to be thinking about this my entire drive to Nebraska this evening. Jason's got us guessing. Doesn't I know. He? I know. Jason's dangling that carrot. Uh, OU DNA logo is in my Twitter DMs right now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't Ooh, think OU DNA. That's that. That's a possibility. Well, no, because people have seen that. People one. have seen it though. That's like, the thing. It hasn't been on the field, but people have seen it. I um the way that he was. I, I feel like it's going to be a a logo that they've created. I, I don't know if it's going to be a, a a big thing moving forward or if this is just a one-time thing for the spring game, but how nerdy of me to be this intrigued about what's going to be All on right. the 25-yard we're, line. We're renting a drone, Tyler. <laughs> we're renting a drone and we're infiltrating tonight. Oh, good one. The logo is kettlebells. I like that. <laughs> 
SEC logo, that would be pretty sweet. Uh, a logo of uh, Lincoln Riley crying, that's awesome. Uh, man, I, I, I'm looking forward to Muleshoe's first loss as USC's head coach so we can get the crying Jordan memes superimposed oh, onto Muleshoe's face and get that circulated. It's going to be the best football season ever. I, I, I've i got a feeling, especially if SC loses in the first uh, – especially if they lose early on, right? Like the first loss, it's going to be amazing. But if it if it happens to like at Stanford or Fresno in the non-con really early on, yeah. it's – yeah. Field day Let's on go. the Bird app. Let's go. All right, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Who's coming into town this weekend for a recruiting trip? We'll talk about that and more coming up next on the other side. Locked in with McComas and Thune on the ref. Man, Tyler, I always love adding imaginary context to conversations that I only overhear snippets of. Yeah. Earlier I heard TJ Perry walk past and he was talking to someone. I couldn't really tell who he was out in the hallway. And all that I heard was, I'm not waiting 40 minutes for a blooming onion. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh boy, what could possibly be the context? I might wait 40 minutes for a blooming onion. Been a long time since I had one. Josh, uh, it's probably been close to a decade since I had a blooming onion. I feel like that's probably the case with most people. Um, Oh, yeah. I, I need to announce this, by the way. Just found this out. Okay. Uh, spring game, pre- and post-game. I told everyone I'd, I'd let you know when, when we you know, had it in writing what we were going to do. So we'll be doing a pre-game show. Uh, Balfour of Norman on campus corner, 1130 to 130. I believe Toby and Teddy are going to do the first hour, and then uh, Mike Steely and myself going to do the second hour live. And then post-game... Football game starts at 3. From 5 to 7, we'll be at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner. So from 5 to 7 at Yo Pablo, uh, myself, Travis Davidson, Jordan Evans, former Sooner, uh, current NFLer, is set to come out with us for a segment or two. So, yeah, we'll be out and about on Campus Corner for pre- and post-game of the spring game. You better come by and say hello. I mean, come on, don't just light up the text line and then ignore us for the entire spring game. Come on, Parker, they can at least come out before the game or after the game and hang out. Yes, say hi. Interact. That's what the spring game is for. It's it's all about the community. I'll be down there on the field, hopefully wearing short sleeves because I'm hoping it'll be warm on that Saturday afternoon. Say hi, give me a high five, handshake, whatever. Would love to meet all of you. And who knows, maybe I'll end up making it out to uh, Yo Pablo for part of the Ooh, post-game show. We'll you see. should do that. Seriously, if you have time, like, yeah, come, come out there and, right. and hang out with us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> weekend visitors. And before we, we get to the weekend visitors, I guess he counts as one. Norman North product, Parker Andrews. Yes. He's going to be um, at OU this weekend. Now, Parker had a really great season at Norman North this past year, but... He is also the guy <laughs> that, what was it, two or three years ago? Th- almost three years ago. Almost three years ago, he was at a camp at Texas, and Tom Herman was still the head coach. And it's customary at these camps to, you know, take a picture with the head coach, whatever. Tom Herman is given the horns up. Parker Andrews is given the horns down in the photo. <laughs> Well, so. no, first, so he's 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 just holding up the one, and so Tom Herman's looking at him from the side. He can't really tell, right? Yeah, he can't yeah. tell it's the one and not – because it's just – it's the difference of one pinky finger between the OU one and the horns up. So Tom Herman can't tell, and then as soon as Tom Herman looks away, yeah, he throws the throws horns down. down. So awesome. I think Parker's dad 
came on the air with Teddy and I um, like the next week or so. I feel like really? something like that happened, but is is pretty awesome. So, yeah, he, he'll be on a on a visit this weekend. Who, who else is uh, going to be in town? Uh, as far as this Easter weekend, I don't I don't know of any visitors over the weekend. I know Samuel Masigo, the three star athlete out of Crandall, Texas, is going to be in town on Monday. But I think at this point, everybody's just gearing up for what should be a very well-attended spring game, uh, not just as far as fans are concerned, but as far as recruits are concerned. Sure. Uh, transfer portal news, uh, Amarius Mims, the Georgia tackle that we talked about, what, two days ago. He's got a crystal ball in for Florida State. From so. Teddy Lehman's sworn arch enemy, Bud Elliott. Oh, really? That's yes. who put it in? Nice. Yes. I love that. I love that. We know that OU's going to be active in the transfer portal, especially after the spring. But are there any names in the transfer portal right now that you're hearing be you know linked to OU at all? At Honestly, no, there are not. And I think it's going to stay that way until you get to the other end of the spring game. And that's uh, once OU is done with spring ball, that's about the point which they'll start to figure out what they need to do in the portal because that's when I also think you will see OU lose some guys to the portal. And I don't think it'll be many. The range that I'm anticipating based on the conversations I've had is anywhere from two to five players. And I would say you're probably leaning – I would lead more towards the two end than the five within that range. But – Oklahoma, as of right now, has two remaining scholarships available. The two scholarships that would have gone to LT and Micaiah Overton. Sure. Uh, that that may change depending on who hits the portal after the conclusion of spring ball. Let's take some more uh, submissions on the text line for the mystery logo at the 25-yard lines. Logo will be Stoops Visor. Did, Love it. Did they do that at, during a spring game at one point? Did they commemorate Bob and have a visor logo somewhere, or am I totally just imagining I, I, that? I don't think so. I, I could be wrong. How about Welcome Home Brents? Uh, maybe. Isn't it obvious? TBOW sucks, BV rules. That is my vote for the 25-yard line. TBOW sucks, Brit rules, with a Z and an exclamation point at the end. That would, <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> <sighs> Palace yeah, on the Prairie, infansive cursive writing on the 25-yard line. I'm going to be racking my brain the entire six and a half hours I'm about to be on the road. Yeah, you know, one would think that you could just uh, DM Jason and find out what it is, but I don't think that he's uh, letting that one out of the bag. I think I he's going to keep that one a secret for yeah. as, as, long as, as long as possible. I might DM him anyway and just be like, man, can you tell me so I can have peace of mind? Like, I, I won't go saying anything. I just want to know. <laughs> because, yeah, that, this is going to drive me nuts for the next week and a half. Johnny Baseball says Stoops Pinky. <laughs> that one would be pretty awesome as well. Stoops Pinky? You never noticed how it, like, what, what Bob's Pinky looks like? Oh, no. Compared this, to is, other normal Pinkies? Is this a thing? Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes oh, no. I, I clearly. Oh, dude. The legend of the Stoops Pinky oh. has gone over my head. Oh, yeah. So I know you're about to uh, hit the road and head to Nebraska in literally 12 and a half minutes. Yes. But y I, you need to do some research on, on Bob's Pinky. Okay. Yeah, this is a big deal, man. I feel like the majority of the fan base knows that his pinky looks looks a little different. I, I guess I, I've lived uh, lived under a rock for all these let years. Us, this, uh, is, this is news to me. Let us, yeah, let us know what you think about uh, okay. Bob's pinky after you find the answer. Selman's Heisman statue. It ain't good enough in script fonts. 
There's like 10 ideas that you guys are throwing out that are amazing up to this point. I kind of dig all of these, to be honest with you. For next spring game, Jason should just hold a contest. Have people submit their ideas for what the midfield logo should be. I think he's and re- then pick one. It was a it was an incredible tease on uh, on on Twitter. He, he, I think he needs to do it every single year. Get everyone guessing on what the new logo for the spring game is going to be this year. I know he he holds all the cards line. right now. You see, some of you were complaining about ten and fifteen dollar tickets to this thing. Now you want to see the mystery logo, and that's ten or fifteen bucks well spent. <laughs> that's called marketing, right that's there. Right. Yeah, Jason made it worth your time. All right, we got one final segment before Parker heads off to Nebraska for the Easter weekend. Taking more of your texts, talking more football recruiting on the other side. Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. We're the homeless center fans. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of Locked In. Elite Roofing System. they're serving all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Locally owned and operated, headquartered in Norman and Tulsa, and serving customers in the greater Oklahoma City area since 2010. Give Elite Roofing Systems a call today. 405-361-3094, Tulsa, 918-984-5475, EliteRoofOK.com. Uh, do you think you'll get a, a nice pulse of the Nebraska fan base while you're in uh, the Omaha area this weekend, <laughs> or, or not so much? Here's the thing. The pulse of the Nebraska fan base is constant and never-changing. Hope springs eternal. In those fans' minds. Unfortunately, here's here's what I was told verbatim the other day after Nebraska's spring game from a source with connections up there. Adrian Martinez leaving Nebraska was the best thing for him and the worst thing for Nebraska because that offense is a mess. Yeah, well, that new O-season, um, there, there's a transition period. They played like six quarterbacks in the spring game. Special teams is still really bad. I do think it's going to be a tough game in Lincoln, but is there a chance that it's not? Is there a chance that maybe OU is a lot better offensively in the early stages than most people think, and they go up there and and handle Nebraska pretty easily? Oh, yeah, there's certainly a chance. I don't know that I would bet on it just because – I mean, we, I, I feel like we would have say, said the same thing, and deservedly so, about the game last year. Oh, I was convinced it was going to be a blowout last was year. I. Everyone was. was. It's, just, it's one of those things where you get in those rivalry environments, and I don't care what anybody says, OU versus Nebraska is still a rivalry. It was the biggest rivalry in college football for a quarter century at least. That game is going to be a different type of environment, especially up there in Lincoln especially with the renewal of that rivalry and the Sooners making the road trip to Memorial Stadium for the first time since 2009. You're going to have 90,000 Husker fans with their red balloons in hand. It's going to be a ton of fun, and it's going to be tough for Oklahoma. That will be a challenge. That will be the first legitimate challenge of the Brent Venables era, that game on September 17th. So I was uh, looking at the current recruiting rankings. I asked you, I asked Travis this week, like, where's the pulse at right now with only four commits? You guys are like, I'm not panicking at all. And I agree with that. Sure. We'll use 19 right now with four commits. Now, we spent a lot of the day picking on Texas. Now, As we do. I don't feel like Texas has the same recruiting approach as Oklahoma. And five and seven, eight and four, whatever, we all know that they've routinely recruited at a high level. It does not matter. They're currently the 29 recruiting class. Two four-stars, one three-star, just three commits. Why, I mean, you can offer an explanation as to why OU, they're at where they're at right now, 
But why is Texas having such a slow start in this 23 class? Because they just went five and seven. <laughs> well, I know, but normally that doesn't I, I, matter. I mean, sometimes no, I, I I agree with you. Like, it, and it will be remedied at Texas. It always is. Like, they'll have a top ten class somehow. They always do. It, it never makes sense, but they do. Texas always ends up in the top ten of the recruiting rankings and the preseason top twenty-five rankings, and those are the only rankings they make the cut in for the remainder of the year. But I I don't question that Texas is going to find their footing. Uh, recruiting-wise. Now, again, the question becomes, when does it start translating? Because it hasn't for a really long time. And that is Exhibit 1A on why you don't read too much into the recruiting rankings. Do they mean something? Certainly. But development matters far more than recruiting. By the way, uh, Alabama currently at number 23. Bama only has three commits. LSU at 24, LSU only has three commits, Clemson at 25, they only have three commits. So, don't panic. I mean, there's there's some other teams back there that are notoriously recruiting in the top five that only have three commits up to this point or in our fringe top 25. So, it's still, I know the, the, the early signing period has moved things up, but it's still really, really early on in the process. And, and OU will be just fine. They be will. Just fine. They will be just fine. And I think what is moreover uh, even further encouraging is the reality that these guys are going to get coached up and they're going to be better football players under the tutelage of Brent Venables and his staff. No doubt. Hey, uh, drive safe to Nebraska. I'll do my best, man. Enjoy the weekend. We'll catch up with Parker on Monday. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.